are listening to the Staff Study Podcast, a ministry of Bible Baptist Church in Mount Orob, Ohio. We hope this podcast will encourage you to study the Word of God and to grow in Christ. Welcome to another episode of the Staff Study Podcast. Today we have my father, Kelly McInerney, in from Savannah, Georgia, and he's going to be talking with us about how to know if God is working in your life. Make sure, like, subscribe. Our Facebook page, you can find on facebook.com slash staffstudypodcast. Make sure to connect with us so we can know how y'all are enjoying it. And if you have any questions or comments, be sure to throw those out there. So, Dad, tell them. I think we're just going to start with your testimony, and we'll see where the conversation goes from there. All right, thanks. It's good to be here with the guys here at Mount Orb staff and um, appreciate the opportunity. But um, my testimony starts way back um, when I was uh, born into a Catholic family in uh, mid-Michigan, and then my parents divorced when I was about five years old. And my mother remarried a uh, kind of a backslidden Southern Baptist man, and uh, he took us in as his own and uh, raised us mostly in Oklahoma, where he was from. And uh, about seven years old in, in a small Baptist church on the west uh, side of Ada, Oklahoma, um, is where I first understood about um, Jesus dying for me on the cross and uh, that I needed to be saved. Uh, we'd come from a Catholic background, and so we hadn't learned much about that. So it was all new to us when we first uh, heard that. My mom got saved first, and then just a couple weeks later, it was a Sunday night in November, I remember um, just kind of hanging out after the service, and uh, the pastor knew something was was going on. His name was Raymond Allen, and he's in heaven now. But uh, he came to the altar with me, and uh, I prayed to receive Christ at seven years old. Then maybe a year or two later, um, my older siblings were at a summer camp, and it was a really uh, rustic kind of a brush arbor type camp uh, with wooden benches with no backs on them. And uh, I can remember going there. And uh, to see my brother and sister who were at camp, um, we were just there for the evening service. And something during that uh, evening preaching, I couldn't tell you the preacher's name. I I was only eight eight years old, maybe nine. Um, Couldn't tell you what he preached about. But something just uh, drew me to the altar. And I went down and prayed and basically uh, just told the Lord that I would do uh, with my life whatever he called me to do, including preaching. I remember clearly coming back to my seat and my mom leaning down and say, what, what did you go to the altar for? And I said, I was just matter of fact told her, um, uh, God called me to preach. Mm-hmm. And so she just, you know, smiled. Oh, that's so sweet. You know, like any mom would do, pat me on the head. <laughs> and, um, and that was, that was about it. And, um, I can remember then maybe a few months later, having told some of the church people about that. Um, on a Sunday night, they had like the preacher boys kind of a thing, and, and I got up. Uh, I mean, I was little. I, I know I had to be nine, eight or nine years old and had to stand up on a stool to look over the pulpit. And I, I did a one-verse message um, and uh, about five minutes. Um, and then I really didn't, uh, you know, no one really pursued. You know, you're just a kid, and you have you go to other things. Um, but in my teen years, the Lord began to confirm that um, calling on me um, just through his spirit's uh, guidance and, and uh, conviction. And when I was in my teens, I kind of uh, tried to get away from that. I had um, aspirations of going to uh, law school and, and being an attorney. Um, 
And I was just kind of running from that. And so I, I went to a college, a secular college back in Michigan uh, to study criminal justice and set myself on that trail. But I knew, I mean, I knew from a child that that, that calling was there. So um, as the Lord worked it out, um, I got acquainted with members of Pastor Charles Smith's family in Michigan. And that's how I met him. And when he heard my testimony and he knew that I was basically running from the Lord, I'd actually um, taken the ASVAB test to get into the Air Force. Uh, this would have been 1988, um, 89, right in there. And um, he uh, called me. I was working a secular job, and he had heard that I was going to leave to go to the Air Force. I mean, I was down to like just a couple weeks from going down and being sworn in at the state capitol in Lansing, Michigan. Hmm. And uh, so he kind of intervened and said, uh, you know, I was only 18 at the time, and he said, uh, you can go to the Air Force anytime. So he <laughs> said, so before you do that and commit, you know, four years or six years of your life, um, why don't you come down here this summer? And uh, I got some buses. I just bought some buses, and we want to start some bus routes. And he said, I don't know anything about starting bus routes, but I had been a bus kid. Um, that was a part of the story I didn't share. <clears throat> During my parents' uh, separation, <clears throat> we were every other weekend at, at the other parents' house. And when I was at my father's house one weekend, um, on a Saturday, a bus came by, bus workers came by, and told them all about the bus ministry and asked if I could ride the bus on Sunday, my stepbrother and I. And um, I, I, I know I was less than five because or six because my parents' divorce wasn't final. Uh, so I knew it was right in that time period. And uh, so I think just in an effort to get rid of me for a few hours, they let me go on this <laughs> bus. And I rode that bus to uh, the Foster's Bible Baptist Church where Pastor Smith was the pastor. Of course, he... At that time, that church was running eight, 900 people, big bus ministry. I never met him. He never knew my name. Um, but that, I think one or two times is all that I actually rode the bus. But that was my first introduction to a Baptist church. And then mm -hmm. come, you know, 15 years later, um, here I am back, or 12 to 15 years later, here I'm back in uh, connection with him. So the Lord moved that all around. And uh, so I agreed to come down um, for this summer. It was just going to be uh, like Memorial Day through Labor Day. And we got some bus routes started. I got one started in Sardinia and one in Williamsburg. Um, and then one that kind of went to Bethel um, down that way. Um, and uh, during that summer, I met Teresa, who would become my wife the following Year. So at the end of the summer, um, Pastor Smith offered me a job to stay, uh, but they only had part-time guys at that time, and uh, the church was only running not quite 200 people. And so um, I had been staying with him and his wife uh, for the summer because they had plenty of room and their kids were all grown and gone. So he, um, he asked me to stay, and of course I, with Teresa on my mind, wasn't in a big hurry to leave. Um, but I couldn't, I couldn't live here for $100 a week, you know. Yeah. So I had to find a job. So I told him, I said, Preacher, if I can find a job right away um, with the money that the church is offering me, um, I, will, I will do it. And so that, that was a Monday morning, and I went out, and by noon I had two job offers. Wow. And um, so the Lord was in that and uh, ended up working at a place called Biggs in Eastgate, which mm -hmm. is no longer there. But I think Jungle Gyms took over mm -hmm. there, didn't they? Yeah. But um, they had just recently opened and, and worked there for a few years. And so while I was at Mount Orb, I, I led the music department. 
and the singing and the choir. I'd never done that before. He told me on a Saturday, you're leading singing tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> That's here's, a classic moment yep, right there. Here's the, here's the yeah. songbook. Awesome. I had never, he knew that I could play the piano, um, but I had never sung publicly, mm. ever. Mm. Um, I had accompanied my parents in playing the piano. They used to sing and had a nursing home ministry and would go around and sing to senior centers and things like that. And so I played the piano for them, but I'd never sung publicly in my life uh, in front of people. So that was a big step of faith. Um, You know God's working when Mm -hmm. when that happens. (laughs) You had no, you know, didn't know that was coming. So uh, did that, did the choir, did the college and career ministry, um, and then uh, was over the bus routes. So all of that for $100 a week. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And working and working a, work a full time job. It's amazing uh, how you said that you started, you know, you were just coming down part time to work the buses. We kind of hooked your son the same way. Uh-oh. He started out as an internship. <laughs> he wasn't planning on staying. We said, just come back for the summer and work and help. And now we can't get rid of him. Well, he found he found a girl. Yeah, he found a girl. <laughs> Same thing that happened to me. Right That's the key. If, if, a, if a McInerney man finds a girl, he, he's find it a good thing. He finds a good thing. <laughs> I think that's somewhere in scripture. Yeah, yeah. Right. So yeah. he's going to stay around. Hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, we're just trying to accomplish today. Just preacher, maybe you can elaborate a little bit more. Just. In our own Christian lives, how do you know when God is trying to get your attention to begin working in your life? Well, as we said a little bit ago, that's um, that's a question that many Christians, if not most, ask or should ask. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to sound over-spiritual, but if you're familiar with the book Experiencing God by Henry mm-hmm. Blackaby, mm-hmm. His contention is, and I agree with him, that God is always at work. So the question is not, is God working in my life? The question is, do I recognize, back to Mm -hmm. your point, Mm -hmm. what God is doing in my life? Mm -hmm. Um, Because God never takes a break. He's Mm -hmm. always doing something. Mm -hmm. So uh, Blackaby's assertion is that you have to figure out what God is doing, and then you join him in that work. Mm -hmm. You don't watch from afar. You don't just wait. You Mm -hmm. You you aggressively see what is God doing, um, what are the people He's brought into my life, what are the circumstances He's brought into my life, what is the um, heart desire that He's given me, and you see where God is working already, mm-hmm. and then you join Him in that work, and that's pretty much a quote from Henry Blackaby. So mm-hmm. I'm going to take credit for that, but that's. Um, that's what happens in, uh, especially if you're in ministry. Now, God works in every Christian's life. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be full-time service or pastoring or missions work. But every Christian should recognize that God is working. It may be that he's putting someone in your path that is lost, and he wants you to be the, the salt and the light in that person's mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Um, it may be that he's um, preparing you to, to serve in your local church as a Sunday school teacher or, or a deacon or something like that. So. He's always at work in his children's lives mm-hmm. um, and to recognize what he's doing. Sometimes I think, Brother Jason, we're just oblivious um, to it. We, we get tunnel vision mm-hmm. and we start to say, um, we start to we look at our life through the lens of what we want to do and what our goals and our plans are. And sometimes we miss that God, the bigger picture, that God is put us in a certain place at a certain time with certain people for a certain outcome. And, uh, and and we can miss it. Mm-hmm. Um, you think about the, the apostles. I mean, how many times did Jesus give them uh, just 
clear instruction, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands mm-hmm. of sinful men and be crucified. And They missed it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. he, he was working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was preparing them. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, let not your heart be troubled. I mean, that we use that and get great comfort from it. But in the first person, he was talking to them because he knew what was he was doing, yeah. and they missed it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until after the resurrection when they, the Bible says they remembered his words. Mm-hmm. You That's know, good. They remembered his yeah. words. So they... The key is, and, and it's a great question, um, but my answer, my short answer would be just sensitivity to the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and um, maybe turning the question a little broader to, um, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? I mean, that was mm-hmm. that was Paul's. Mm-hmm. Think about that was his question, the yeah. beginning of his mm-hmm. ministry. He started out with that question, what wilt thou have me to do? Mm-hmm. Wow. And he ended his ministry with, I have kept the faith i have finished my course yeah. yeah so those are the bookends of our life if we're serving the lord what mm-hmm. will you have me to do and then i have finished my course mm-hmm. so i think uh, in a broad answer um if we didn't get too far off the topic mm-hmm. is um uh look with spiritual eyes as, as to what god is doing versus mm-hmm. i'm focused on my job i'm focused on raising my kids i'm focused on little league i'm focused on retirement but no god's working through all of that and you mm-hmm. just have to look for the daily opportunities mm-hmm. what's god doing today mm-hmm. what does god want me to do we heard that at the yeah. pastor's uh, yeah. conference yeah. um each each day mm-hmm. um god will show you something to do and mm-hmm. if you put those days successively in a row of obedience then you you get the bigger picture mm-hmm. so going back to my excuse me back to my testimony so after um, Pastor Smith, I worked here about three years, and um, God used a lot of different things. I, again, I had that kind of running. Um, I, I was, I was wanting to maybe get um, be done with this ministry thing, and um, I, um, I got an, I got another job. So I had three jobs for for a minute. Um, I was here at the church. I was at Biggs. And then I was at the Union Township Police in Claremont County um, mm-hmm. as a dispatcher. Getting, uh, they had an entry program that you could go from dispatch. So I was only I wasn't old enough, you know, mm-hmm. to be an officer, but you could become a uh, police officer once you got through their program. And so that was kind of how I was doing and um, trying to pull away a little bit from ministry. And the Lord just kind of smacked me upside the head with that and said, you know, here we go again. You know, you tried this with the Air Force, and now you're trying it with law enforcement. And um, so uh, Pastor Dan Lamb uh, had an opening for a full-time, because Mount Orb still didn't have full-time mm-hmm. capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Pastor Lamb had an opening for a music director and a college pastor up there. So um, I just gave up then. I mean, when the Lord... Uh, got a hold of me, and uh, I knew that I was supposed to be in ministry. I just, I, you heard the saying, if you can do anything else and be happy, mm-hmm. then do it. Mm-hmm. Well, I I tried it. I tried several different things, and I couldn't mm-hmm. do it. I couldn't break away from it. Mm-hmm. So I went to Hillsboro for a couple years, and we was just there talking about how does um, how do you know God's working. So. We're uh, in staff meetings every week. Pastor Lamb was the uh, head of the Ohio BBF at the time, and so they had made a chart, big map, and it said, we have 
we have the state, we need the man. It was, uh, this was the era of the big emphasis on church planning, um, mm-hmm. early 90s, mm-hmm. mid 90s. Mm-hmm. And uh, so every week in this, they had a list of 10 cities, one of them being Wilmington. Mm-hmm. And um, every week in our staff meeting, we would get down on our knees and pray over that list of cities. Uh, uh, Kettering was one of those cities. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Lebanon was one of those cities at the time. Wilmington was obviously one. And, um, and one day, um, the Lord just said to me, um, stop praying about it and go do it. Mm. Mm. Stop praying about it and go do it. Mm-hmm. Ouch. And, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't, it wasn't uh, less than a month that I got a phone call from a family in Wilmington. To, I had, it was a Saturday afternoon. I was in the church office working, mm-hmm. getting ready for Sunday. Nobody else was there. So I answered the phone. And the lady said, I'm so-and-so from the uh, area outside of, Wil- of Wilmington, she said. And we were told that Hillsborough was going to start a church in our area, and we want to we wanna help. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, I said, well, ma'am, we had no plans to start a church in the area, but I'll take your name and number and pass it on to Pastor Lamb because I thought maybe, um, see, he had done a revival up in that area, and I thought maybe he had announced something that mm-hmm. we didn't know about. And so that just uh, goes kind of like right after I mm-hmm. told the Lord, you know, mm-hmm. whatever you want me to do, uh, then this phone call comes in. So where I was going that with that, Brother Jason, is the Lord will start to give you confirmations as mm-hmm. you start down that path mm-hmm. um, of obedience and surrender. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this is not just for ministry, but it, um, witnessing um, opportunities. If you pray for witnessing opportunities, he will put people yeah. In your path, yeah. mm-hmm. um, if, if you pray for uh, a Sunday school class or a desire to work with youth or children, he'll start opening up doors of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, because one of the big things is the Lord doesn't want you wasting your life wandering around. Um, right. What should we do? What should we do? Yeah. yeah. So I'm, let me finish this one thought and then we can go on to whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Bible says in the multitude of counselors, there's safety, right? Mm-hmm. So when the Lord really put that heavy on my heart about Wilmington, I started calling people. Preacher Smith, he said, just put it out of your mind. Stop thinking about it. Uh, just to forget it. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked to a couple other preachers, which he had. He used reverse psychology. I don't know if you knew Preacher Smith very well, <laughs> but it was all reverse psychology. That's, that, was his, uh, that was in the heyday of, of, of that. And so he's like, forget about McInerney. Just, just keep doing what you're doing and forget about it. And uh, so I talked to a couple other pastors. The last pastor or preacher I talked to was Dr. Jim Delishmith. Many of you know him. He's an evangelist. He's also been in heaven now for uh, 15 years or more. But Dr. Delishmith had been an evangelist in our church a couple different times, and um, it was a friend. And I called him, and and he said, said, Brother McInerney, all I can tell you is Romans 12, 2. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Go do it. Go do it. And I said, well, Brother Delishman, <laughs> what if I go do it and I fall flat on my face? And he says, well, then you will have proved that it wasn't God's will. <laughs> wow. But either way, mm. you've proved it. Yeah. That you yeah. may prove what is that good and acceptable. So he said, if it doesn't work, 
you've proved it it was wrong yeah but you still proved it (laughs) and uh come back around to preacher smith um i a month later i called him i said preacher i can't forget about it he said i said i gotta go and he said i knew that but i was just testing you i was just (laughs) testing you so and then mount orem this Mm -hmm. great church here in mount orem um, helped us preacher came up and we looked for buildings to meet in uh, storefronts and things and then this church ended up paying our first month's rent in a deposit on a little storefront on mm. downtown mm. to help us. So the rest is history from there. I know just from my own personal experience, when you were talking about, you know, several times you mentioned just not being able to let it go, it just mm-hmm. kept coming back. You know, I was called to preach when I was in the second grade at church camp, and I've never doubted it. Lord spoke to me just as clear. So as a result, one of my favorite people in the Bible, Samuel, God mm-hmm. speaking, that story just, yeah. you know, every time it just floors me. But when I went away to Bible college, God started moving in a different direction, and that's a different topic for a different day. But when I came back and told Preacher Smith, you know, I just wasn't sure that God was wanting me in the ministry, really just perplexed me. And I really struggled with it for a long time because I knew I was calm, Mm. but things weren't going the way that I thought they were going to go. I was at Bible college and got so sick I couldn't stay. And it just shook my whole life for several years. And Sarah and I got married, and I got a job at the bank across the street from where we lived here in town. And every day we had a staff guy that was on staff here at the church, and he would go home for lunch every day. And I'd watch him. He'd go home for lunch because I worked the drive through So I had the window. <laughs> and I would stand there and help customers and see him go up and down. And he would drive by the bank, and he'd always wave. And But one thing that always just caught my attention is that he always had teenagers or church people with him. And I would wonder, where's he going? What's he doing today? Mm-hmm. And that would just stir in my mind. And I got to a place I thought, why do you even care? You're not in ministry. <laughs> yeah. But I, you know, I just, I knew God. And so, long story short, you know, God began to work in a different direction. But I know personally that when God works, you can't let it go. Right. Yeah. No. So, yeah. on that vein, what advice would you give to somebody who they have a desire to do something, mm-hmm. whatever it might be, whether it be in ministry or, you know, because everyone has some kind of ministry they can be involved right. in. It might not Every be vocational Christian. ministry. Yeah. It might be, you know, whether they're working with the youth or whatever they're doing, it, it may not be their full-time job, but they're in some kind of ministry. If they're a Christian, they should be. Right. What What advice would you give for them to discern the difference between their own desire, just, well, I like this or I like that, versus God's call. Mm -hmm. This is what you should do. This is what God wants you to do versus this is what you want to do. That's a good good point. Um, And also you guys talked about the permissive will of God and the general will of God. So the general will of God, of course, includes every child of God to serve the Lord with gladness, to to use your talents, your gifts and abilities. Um, I think where it starts to differentiate is, um, again, like Brother Jason said, when you have that 
that call, like Jeremiah said, when he said, I could not stay. I, mm-hmm. His word was in me as a burning fire, and mm-hmm. I could not stay. Mm-hmm. But I also think that God uses other spiritual uh, Christians and leaders to help direct you. I mean, Paul had yeah. Ananias, you know, and Barnabas, mm-hmm. and people came alongside him and helped direct him. And I also think the Lord opens certain doors um, for ministry um, if a person is called um, specifically to a full-time type ministry. I think there are pastors, as I said, counselors, people that can help confirm and, and see that. But um, really, I mean, it is between you and the Lord. Um, we want to see the end of the, we want to see, you know, the church when it's up and running and everything's good. We, we, <laughs> we can't see that when we just start out. I mean, I had no clue no clue whatsoever that the Wilmington Church would become what it what it has yeah. um, because we were just doing it day by day, week by week, month by month. Now we had vision mm-hmm. and I had goals, but I never I never set out to have a church of a thousand people. Never that never crossed my mind. It was not a an ambition of mine. It was just I knew God had sent my wife and I to that town to start a church and then the Lord gave the increase just in tremendous ways. Um, you know, growing to a thousand in ten years time, but that was not on my radar. I mean, that was not. I had never been a part of a church like that. I'd never served on staff of a church like that. Um, so it was totally all new to me. So the advice I think would be: do what you know to do now. So be faithful in what God's having you do now, and then as He uh, blesses that obedience, if He has something bigger or different. Um, uh, for you, he will begin to put that. Um, you know, Paul uh, endeavored to go into Macedonia. Remember, he tried a couple other places, mm-hmm. Acts chapter sixteen. Mm-hmm. So he knew that, uh, and I used this in my transition to Savannah. Um, Paul was doing the right thing. I mean, he yeah. he knew that he was supposed to be preaching the gospel in that region, but he tried this place, and it. The Holy Spirit forbade him. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And then eventually he has the vision of the Macedonian saying, come over and help us. Mm-hmm. And the scripture is really neat there in chapter 16. It says, and so we, uh, I'll mess it up without reading it exactly, but he said, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Mm-hmm. So they had confidence through the Lord's leading in that case, it was that vision. I'm not saying that we, you know, we, we go by dreams and visions today, but the Lord gave him a very clear vision, and that was the open door. He tried this one, he tried that one, and but the, the Lord wouldn't let him go. So that's the other good point, um, brother, is that um, if you're truly seeking the will of God and not your own will, but you truly desire to be exactly in the will of God, he will not let you make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Pardon me. Why would he let you fumble and stumble and waste his time and resources um, in your life? Because life is a vapor, appears for a little while, mm-hmm. and vanishes away. God wants you to know His will. He, mm-hmm. He's not. It's not like a hide and seek game, okay? <laughs> right. Where, uh, but it also is incrementally revealed, mm-hmm. okay? So He's not going to show you the the big picture, um, but He does want you to stay on the right on the right track. Right. So, uh, go back to my story real quick. I was um, I was going the wrong direction to the Air Force. I get a call from Preacher Smith. Okay, <laughs> um, he got me on track. I come down here. I start training for ministry, 
knowing that's what I'm supposed to be doing, I start getting off track again, going back to law enforcement, and then Pastor Lamb calls me. So it's it, God uses people and circumstances and individuals to help us. Now, I could have been uh, hard-headed in either of those situations mm-hmm. and got my life way, way out of whack. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Lord didn't let that happen because he knew what he wanted me to do, and he, so he guided that principle. So you can look. It's easy to look back mm-hmm. and see God's will. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you can look back over your life and say, "Oh, it was God's will for this. It was God's will for that." But you can't see it going forward. You know. Mm-hmm. We, that's why the just shall live by faith, faith. Yeah. and we yeah. walk by faith and not by sight. Mm-hmm. So um, those incremental steps, I think, uh, being obedient, being willing, content. You know where you're yeah. at um, helps you to. Um, to have the Lord's guidance um, as he moves you to whatever it might be. Brother McInerney, I love that you mentioned uh, Acts chapter 16 because the Lord just used that a lot in my life recently. I wish I could mention it, but we'll just save it for a different day. Um, But you mentioned a lot in the podcast. You mentioned a lot about the Apostle Paul. And one thing that stuck with me just throughout this whole episode was the words, will, will... thou have me to do. Mm -hmm. And so we saw Paul surrender fully right there. And then we see in your life that you told God, you know, whatever you want me to do, I will do. And so we see where in Paul's life, God blessed, many souls were saved, churches started, but we also see where Satan attacked because Satan didn't like that at all. Exactly. We see where, you know, you were a pastor of a church of a thousand. I mean, Bible Baptist Church Wilmington, it's such an anchor in southern Ohio it's such a stronghold and it's amazing to see what's going on there um, but you know with that saying ain't too happy about that either so, right. that's right yeah so here's you know kind of just the question I've been thinking about is that when we are doing God's will when we are doing what he's called us to do obviously we know Satan will attack those trials will come hardships will come mm-hmm. and you know whether you're a Sunday school teacher whatever it may be I mean the devil's going to attack he doesn't like the moving of God so the thing is that when that happens to us in life uh, does being reminded of God's goodness help you personally get out of those hardships but if it does you know if that does help you brother McInerney uh, when those hardships come if you don't mind could you share just as a testimony what your mind normally goes to first when you think about the goodness of God do you think of your salvation do you think about mm-hmm. a testimony that happened just in the ministry that you've been doing like what what comes to your mind well your point is um, well well made uh, the devil has nothing to fear from Christians who are outside the will of God yeah, <laughs> yeah. so he's not going to attack you if you're complacent or you're lazy or you are off track because if he's got you off track he's already got you mm-hmm. uh, neutralized okay because mm-hmm. the only way you're going to accomplish the great things for God is to be in the center of his will yeah so if he's if you're not in his will he's going to leave you alone but when you are trying to do something for uh, attempt great things for God and expect great things from God the missionary said if you're doing that, you can, uh, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's coming. What Jesus told Peter, Satan has desired to have you, mm-hmm. that he may sift you as wheat. Mm-hmm. So he wants you neutralized. He wants you taken out, so mm-hmm. to speak. Um, however, we also know that the safest place a child of God can be is in the center of God's will. Yeah. Um, 
So God's going to protect you. He's going to put that hedge about you. It doesn't mean the battles aren't going to come, but you know that um, that we're on the winning side. Yeah. So in my personal uh, life, when those things come, I, I do go back to the call a little bit. I, I just remember um, this is what God called me to do. Yeah. And um, he's he doesn't make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so even as hard as it is, um, this is what is supposed to be happening right now in my life and where God is working uh, and and just stay with it. The other thing is, excuse me, life brings experience in ministry, experience you can look back and see see the hand of God. So um, now I'm in Savannah, a whole different situation. Um, church that has had a lot of um, uh, history, uh, but also uh, had gone through some real uh, trials over the years. Um, and uh, was half the size of you know the church I left, and financially was not as sound um, as where we were. And I hadn't been there a year, and you guys may know this, but I had suffered a, a serious accident um, that could have been fatal, um, if not uh, paralyzing. And um, in all my 47 years uh, of life uh, before that, I had never had so much as stitches. <laughs> and so now, uh, never been in the hospital, never been a patient, never broke a bone. And so now, less than a year after saying yes to the Lord and going to Savannah and stepping in uh, away from the uh, Canaan land, so to speak, and going back into the wilderness, um, I, uh, I find myself in the trauma unit of the hospital for four days. And you can guarantee uh, I'm not that spiritual as to not question why that happened. Um, and I had a lot of discussion with the Lord in between Percocets. You know, <laughs> when I was lucid, what I'm trying to say. When I could talk to the Lord, I had a lot of conversations. Um, why, why did this happen? Yeah. I mean, I just gave up. I mean, I gave up a lot, in humanly speaking. Yeah, yeah. I gave up a lot mm-hmm. to come and do this, and this is how. This is my reward. Yeah. You know, I, I almost, I, I told the Lord, I literally told the Lord, God, if you were going to kill me, you could have just left me in Ohio because then they wouldn't have to send my body back, you know, for the funeral. Mm-hmm. I could have just been there. Uh, I mean, I had some real one-on-ones with the Lord that questioned why has this befallen us? And yeah. now I understand the Lord allowed it to happen, but I do believe it was an attack. Um, uh, very specific to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lord had sent me there to um, to get that church back on track and to do what needed to be done. And by His grace, we're we're, we're accomplishing some of that. Mm-hmm. But that um, there's no doubt that 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 came flying in from left field, and um, uh, you could have could have taken my life. Um, yeah. But God, at the same time, didn't allow my life to be taken yeah. and he didn't allow me to pack up and leave mm-hmm. okay yeah. he caused me and, and this is a very personal testimony um, when I got there I had all my plans back to what you were talking about how I wanted to I don't know why I'm pointing this is radio they can't see you <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh, the guy to my right okay so <laughs> uh, what you were talking about um I had all my plans of what I was going to do and how I was going to fix everything. Mm-hmm. And I was going 90 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that the Lord, you know, a couple of things. He physically allowed me to have to stop. Um, and he was showing me that, um, hey, Sparky, um, you're not in charge of this thing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm in charge of this thing, and I'm going to do it the way I want it to be done. And uh, I'm going to use you in the plan, but it's my plan, not your plan. Yeah, that's, good. that's one thing to remember about God's will. We talk about God's will for my life, but back to Henry Blackaby, it's not about your life. It's about God's will. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. good. You see the separation there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, God's plan for my life it puts some of the emphasis on, on me. Mm-hmm. And when we come to total surrender, it's not God's plan for my life. It's more what is God's plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my life is part of God's plan. So I'm just yielded to him. For that, so that made me realize, um, and and it took some time. I mean, I I didn't just I was on super spiritual, you know, bounced right back, and and uh, I it's it was a struggle uh, for a while, uh, back to an attack like you talked about, an interruption in in ministry, um, but God brought good from the bad there, mm-hmm. and um, and the church rallied, and um, uh, we were able to see some great things happen, and mm-hmm. also it taught me a valuable valuable lesson. That um, I'm, I'm not in charge. Mm-hmm. You know, God's in charge. Yeah. So I had all my plans of how this was going to happen, but He had to correct that because Savannah, Georgia is not Southern Ohio. It's a different culture. It's a different population. It's a different racial makeup. It's a different uh, history, and um, they things things what works in Wilmington, Ohio, would not work in Savannah. I've tried it. Yeah. I, I tried to do the same thing I did in Wilmington, Ohio, in Savannah, Georgia, and I ended up in the trauma unit. <laughs> okay. it, it doesn't work. It's a different people. And whether you're in a mission field or you're in a small church or a big church, or you have to understand that that uh, there are different variables. So I think, you know, I had, my, I had my briefcase and I had my plans and I had my drawings and I had, you know, my goals. And, and God said, no, 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 no. Your job was to come down here. Mm. I'll 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 fix it needs to fixed. Yeah. But I needed you to be in this place. Okay? Yeah. Remember Jacob and Laban, that whole controversy um, where Jacob wanted to leave and Laban didn't want him to. And he uses mm-hmm. this phrase, he said, I have learned that God has prospered me for your sake. So the blessing on Jacob was even recognized by his heathen uncle. Mm-hmm. And um, Preacher Smith always told us the blessing follows the man. Mm-hmm. So God wants his man in the right place so that the blessing can come to those people that are around there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah. a side, a whole other topic. Mm-hmm. You can do that one in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it wasn't that God needed my plans. goes back to God's plan, will for my life. It wasn't that God needed my plans or my briefcase yeah. Or, you know, or my agenda mm-hmm. is that God wanted me hmm. yeah. to be there. Mm-hmm. That the skill set, the gifts, the talents, the 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 experiences that He had given me, He felt would be of value in that location. And we're seeing that. I mean, it takes time, yeah. and that's the other thing. To uh, your point, um, God's will uh, it, it it's not always. Um, on the short calendar. I mean, it, you got to plan it out. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about Joseph. I'm getting all over the map here. <laughs> <laughs> Everything Joseph went through, 
You say, was that God's plan for his life? Well, yes, but it was bigger than that. It was God's plan. Because Joseph said, God did all of this to save Israel. You know, if, if he hadn't gone through what he hadn't gone through and been in the right place at the time of the famine, Jacob and his sons would have perished. Mm-hmm. And the line of Judah would have perished. Yeah. Yeah. And there would yeah. be no savior of the world mm-hmm. through the seed of Abraham. Mm-hmm. So it was a long view. He had to look at yeah. the long view. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that's what we're doing now in Savannah. We're looking at the long view. It's not about you know, what did we leave behind, but what is God doing now? Yeah. Dominic, speak up. So quickly. Dominic, <laughs> yeah. just, just, Dominic is here. He just real quiet. Yes, I am here. Um, so for anyone who may be listening, I know we're kind of winding down on time, but for anyone who may be listening that has been that Christian who has served or maybe even in ministry, they've seen God move in right. their past. They know what it looks like. They've experienced it. But maybe they found their self in a season where they're not feeling like God is moving. And they know it's happened in the past. They might even know, like you've been talking about, the signs of, of God moving in their life, but they can't see it right now. What what would advice would you give them to, because you said God's moving all the time. Right. So it's not that he's not moving in their life, but how can they see that? How can they get back to it? They've been there before, and they're not there now. Well, I'll go real quick. Um, part of that kind of leads me to think about the um, having fire for, for yes. our passion for God or zeal. And I just taught a little lesson on that at West Union. Um, and we talked about the fire triangle. Were you in that? Yes. In that? So, so there's, a, there's a piece missing when, when someone is uh, maybe in that condition you're talking about. And I would, uh, I would suggest that either um, their, their walk with the Lord isn't as close as it should be. They're not taking in as much of this. They're not trying to be filled with the Spirit. Um, or they're not actively um, doing what they know to do now. Because I think as we faithfully serve and do, now I'm not talking about backslidden condition or whatever. I'm talking yeah. about, um, like you said, people who just don't see that necessarily the next step or yeah. they don't know what's next. Um, in in those cases, Dominic, I would just take you back to uh, wait, they that wait upon the Lord. So keep doing what you know. Don't make a false move because you're, trying to generate something or create something okay mm-hmm. sometimes we can yeah. kick open doors or we can mm-hmm. imagine things would be better this this or that i i should be doing that but until god gives you the green light to do this or that you need to just stay doing what you're doing but be faithful at what you're doing okay mm-hmm. because promotion is of the lord so as he as he moves in your life um, and it may be that all the pieces aren't set to where he's got the next step for you ready um in 22 years of pastoring at wilmington i had never been approached by another church to to consider coming or would you put in your application or would you never had done that ever in 22 years and then this call came from savannah which was so out of the ordinary and so unusual um that I knew the Lord was doing something because it had never happened before. Yeah. So you stay faithful, you do what you know you're supposed to be doing, and then you allow the Lord to um, to prompt things or to open doors or to uh, start to direct you a certain a certain way. Okay? Yeah. yeah. That's good. So with that, you know, if you're listening and you don't really 
understand what we're even talking about. You say, God's will, what are you even talking about? This The first step of it, really, you have to know God, right? Mm-hmm. You have to know him. So if you don't know God, there's a really simple way to do it, right? It really comes down to this. The Bible says that if thou shall confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's not a maybe. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. It is a promise from God that we will be saved if we believe that. Yes. So Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We've all heard that. Uh, I don't think anybody in America has not heard that. There's just some people that may not understand it or believe it. But the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we're earning our death by our sin. That's our wage. It's our paycheck. But Jesus comes to earth. He never he never sins. 33 and a half years, never sins. But yet he still died. He didn't earn it. He paid our fine. He didn't earn that death. He paid our fine. Now he was resurrected again. That resurrection is our hope. So if we'll accept the payment that Jesus made for us, if we'll accept that, then we can have that eternal life that, that God has promised. So we always like to say it's a big moment. I remember when it happened for me. I'm sure everybody sitting here remembers when it happened. If you ever, uh, you know, Pastor McInerney talked about earlier, he had never broken a bone. Well, when you had your accident, you remember your accident. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's a big moment. If you've ever broken a bone, you remember when you break a bone. If you have given your life to Jesus, you should remember when you did it. If you don't remember, get it settled. You could say a simple little prayer saying, God, I believe that your death, Jesus' death on the cross, was a payment for my sin. I believe he died, was buried, and resurrected. And that that was the full payment for my sin. And ask him to be your Savior. And he promised that he'll do that. And that is the way... To have eternal life. You can't get God's will for your life if you don't know God. You have to start that relationship. So we encourage you to do that. If you have done that, we would really encourage you to message us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash staff study podcast. Send us a message. If this has been encouraging to to you, just reach out to us. Let us know. Uh, We like feedback. We want you all to enjoy what we're doing. We don't do this just for ourselves. Yes, we all like to talk, but this isn't really the the purpose. We can talk and not record it. Believe it or not, we do plenty of that. So some of us do more than others, but we we encourage you to give us some feedback. Let us know what you think. Uh, We encourage you, if you don't know the Lord, get it settled today. You're not promised tomorrow. Amen. See you all. Thank you for listening to the Staff Study Podcast. It is our prayer that this has been an encouragement for you in your walk with the Lord. Please visit our website at www.bbcmtorab.org for more information on our church and associated ministries. It is our desire to encourage you to study God's Word. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth.